Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever. And Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome, Melissa, to the Military Wi-Fi podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So can you tell me how you and your husband met, how long you've been together? So Damien and I have been together for 12 years and we've been married for two years next year. And we met at an engagement party of some mutual friends. When you guys met, was he already in defence, joining defence? What was his situation? Yeah, he was already in the army. Damien enlisted in 94 and he was an engineer. And then he transferred over to military police in 2000. He was in the close personal protection team. And he got deployed to Iraq in 2004 for six months. And then pretty much every second year he was getting deployed. So I think he got deployed like five times all up. So he was away quite a lot. And then with the like pre-deployment training, it was almost as if he was gone for probably 10 months out of a year when he was going away. What was your introduction like to defence? Obviously, you mentioned he'd been in for some time before you met what was it like coming into that after he'd already been in for that time and then you know suddenly being in this defense life it was a bit of a whirlwind for us we met in I think about the August and then in the September October he told me he was getting posted to Townsville so I had to make a pretty quick decision as to whether I was going to follow him to Townsville or if we were going to stay, if I was going to stay in Sydney. So I pretty much had to make my mind up really early in the relationship. And then we got to Townsville. I ended up going with him. We got to Townsville and then he got deployed May. So we'd only been together not even a year and I'd already moved into state and then he was deployed and I was in a place where I didn't really know too many people. So it was really tough. So did you have any expectations of what defence life would be like in those early stages? Obviously, you know, we see how it all plays out in the movies and you know, all of that sort of stuff. What did you expect after, you know, knowing each other for such a short time and and then moving on that posting with him and then him being deployed? Like, what were you expecting defence life to be like? Well, my dad was in the army, so I sort of had a bit of an idea about what happened. Um, My dad never went away nearly as much as what Damien has. So I don't think I was expecting him to go away quite as much as he did, but we just sort of rolled with it. It wasn't, it was hard, but yeah, I just went with the flow pretty much. There's not much you can do about it. Because he had those constant deployments, you know, you had no choice but to come to terms with that being army life for you and, and his job requiring him to be away a lot. So how did yeah. you kind of come around to going from not being in this, you know, with a, a defence person to suddenly having that in your life and, and having him away and home and away? Um, I had just started my apprenticeship when Dame and I got together as well. I'm a hairdresser. So my four-year apprenticeship ended up taking me about five and a half, six years just because we kept getting posted. So every time I got posted, I'd have to finalise where I was up to with my current employer and then have to move into state and find another job and then get signed up as an apprentice again. So did you find your husband being away was easier or harder compared to the part where he came back and had to adjust back to family life? Because obviously he was consistently away and back home, away and back home. 
home? Like how did he transition back home and then transition back to him being gone? Like how did you go with the up and down of that? I obviously preferred him being home than the transition to him coming back home. I found that it wasn't too hard. As each deployment he went away, every time he came back, it was a little bit harder just because I had switched back to just being on my own quite quickly because I was so used to him going away so frequently. So every time he did go away, I just quickly got my routine established and because I was with his son as well, I had his son in my care. We just got on with what we had to do and we had our routine quite quickly. So the more trips he went on, the harder it was him coming back home and fitting back into our routine and our life. So when did it get to the stage where you were both sort of thinking that he would transition out of defence? Like what was the lead up to that like? It was quite tough. I noticed Damien, um, he'd made the decision that he wasn't going to deploy anymore. So that I think that was a bit of a catalyst into things starting to go downhill for him a little bit because he, he liked going away. It was part of his job and to put an end to that was pretty tough for him, I think. And I just noticed he was getting a bit overwhelmed with work. He didn't like how the army was turning, like what it, what it was turning into. So it's a very different army to the army that he joined almost like over 20 years ago. Yeah, he just wasn't enjoying it at all anymore. What is the process like when, I guess, he makes the decision not to deploy anymore? Does that mean that it's definitely that he discharges or does he go to a desk job? Like, how does that sort of work? Yeah, so he went from, he was in military police. So when he decided that he wasn't going overseas anymore, he was posted to Adelaide and he was the, I think it's called like the commander of the police stations in the southern half of Australia. So he was still going away, but he was only going away for two and three days at a time just to visit different police stations to make sure things were going okay. So yeah, he's pretty much on a desk job and just sort of short trips away to see how everything was going. And then what? at what point did it get where he decided, okay, I think I'm going to discharge? He was just not liking it and it was just getting worse and worse. Um, and he decided to take some long service leave. So our daughter was about 14 months when I went back to work full-time and he had 18 months to two years off with her where he was just renovating our house and looking after our daughter and then when it was coming time for him to go back that was when he decided no I'm not going back I'll just want to change over to reserves and do a couple of days a week with reserves. So was it kind of like okay well I'm not completely out of defense I'm just going to do reserves to obviously you know financially keep that happening but then also you know if I did happened to change my mind and want to go back I've still got my sort of foot in the door I was fine with whatever he wanted to do he did have so he was doing reserves and then he was working with a company I think a veterans rehab company and then it was getting to the point where that was too much because that was quite it took quite an emotional toll on him like dealing with everyone else's problems and issues and that sort of thing he loved helping other people but he just probably then that he realised he probably wasn't in the right headspace to be helping other people. He realised that he sort of had some things that he needed to work on as well. How did he go about working on those things? What happened with with that? Um, First, he started to seek in counselling. So he went to VPCS and engaged um, in counselling. And he was in counselling for quite a while. And I think he just started to see... A psychologist things were starting to go downhill a lot for him so he was he was quite proactive in trying to work out what was going on and what he needed to do to help himself pretty much so are you grateful that he was proactive in doing that and that it wasn't to the point where you were having to push him to, to seek that help yeah definitely that was probably my biggest fear because I, I knew that he'd been through a lot of things overseas so I was pretty much waiting for it to happen and I'm really 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 grateful that I didn't have to push him into getting help and I'm glad we didn't have to have massive fights and stuff about him getting help we both just sort of sat down and realized that things weren't going too well and things shouldn't be the way they were well he just decided on his own that he was going to engage in counseling and get 
sought the help that he needed. So yeah, I'm really, really grateful for that. What do you think it is in your husband that allowed him to have that ability and that attitude to put his hand up for help as opposed to, you know, pushing back against it? Like, is it something that, you know, he's just always been um, open to working on mental health? He's always heard that, you know, or he's got friends that have um, sought help. Like, what do you think that there might've been leading up to it that may have made it easier for him to seek that help? I think a lot of his friends were starting to go through a similar sort of thing and he could see how much they were struggling and we're really open and we just sort of sit down and talk about things. We don't fight too much. So we were just sitting down and just chatting about it and I think just him realising that his temper was short. He didn't want to be like that with our daughter or his son for that matter and he wasn't sleeping and that sort of thing. He just thought, well, something's got to give. I have to do something or it's just going to end up in a really bad place. So once he put his hand up for that help and went forward and started seeing the psychologist and getting help through VVCS and whatever else he was doing in that regard, what was the process? Was it just that he just had to go to a weekly appointments? Like was there stuff that he was, you know, actively working on at home as well? Like how was he making sure that it was actually having an impact on, you know, your family and, and the way that you guys were living and being able to cope with everyday life for him? So he was going to, I think they were they started off at fortnightly appointments with his counsellor and he would I think his counsellor was trying to get him to do some trauma therapy once they sort of got to know each other and worked out where Damien was at and what needed to happen they started trying to work on trauma therapy so we had I had to work on on that with Damien so we had to sort of go to shopping centres where he wasn't comfortable he'd only go to one shopping centre that he felt comfortable so we had to start taking him to different places and doing different things to get expose him to different places so that he felt a little bit uncomfortable but realised that it wasn't the end of the world and that he was going to be okay. So we had to work on that a bit together and he was really good with trying his hardest to do that as well. But even that was getting a bit too much on his own. Was there a point for you where you sort of thought where he kind of like, he was able to just function every day without it really impacting, but then like, what was the tipping point where you thought actually that's not normal for him? You know, we're not able to to go to this place or he's having this reaction to this event like what was the tipping point for you where you thought yeah actually you do need to seek that help it actually happened quite gradually so it was just I just noticed him just getting frustrated at different things and I just thought oh well we just we just won't go there or we just won't do that and it wasn't until I think I I started to notice different things and I thought this you know just him not wanting to go to place and getting really really frustrated if we were around too many people going to family events and him just not wanting to talk to anybody and I just I knew it wasn't right but I don't think at the time being in it I could see it clearly and it probably wasn't until my mum mentioned to me she said is Damien okay and I said well yeah I think so I said he's going through a bit of a rough patch and she's like well I think it might be a bit more than a rough patch so I think it was sort of then that we realized PTSD is coming on and we need to do something more about it as well. Like you said you sort of expected that something would end up happening in regard to all of Damien's previous um, deployments and all Mm -hmm. that he'd experienced in defence that you thought it was sort of building up to him having to seek that help. But did you, from the get-go, think that it would be end up being PTSD or did you just think it would just that he'd need some extra support with, you know, talking through what he's going through? Like, how were you feeling about it possibly being PTSD? Um, I'd heard a bit about PTSD, but in my mind, I thought it was people blowing up and, you know, sort of going into rages and that sort of thing and not coping, like really 
obviously, but I didn't quite understand that it can it affect different people differently. So I didn't realise that with Damien just saying he'd want to go to different things. I didn't realise that that was a symptom of PTSD, if you know what I mean, because he wasn't flying off the handle and yelling and screaming at home. I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe he's going to be okay. So to sort of learn that PTSD affects everybody differently, that was a really big learning curve for me to realise that, yeah, he probably was going through something a bit more than what we thought he was. And was it a process for you just as much as Damien? So obviously he was seeking the support through VVCS and getting those appointments with the psychologist and working on the trauma therapy and things like that. But how did you then, you know, grapple with the PTSD and learning about how to to best support him and things like that? Was there a process that you went through or was it just that you did your own research? Like how did you learn about it? Yeah, I've just learned about it just by talking to different people who have husbands who are suffering as well and also there's been a, quite a few times I know Damien's counsellor quite well so every probably couple of months his counsellor asked me to go in so we all go in together so we'll all sit there and talk together and then he'll ask Damien to leave the room and then I'll have a bit of a chat with him because Damien doesn't quite tell him how bad things get sometimes so he asked me to sort of tell him honestly if he's doing okay and there's been a couple of times where I've said to his counsellor I don't know what to do like I've never been through this I don't know how best to support him you know in this given scenario what's the best way for me to react this is what I have been doing is there something more I can do so I spoke to his counselor quite a bit and he gave me quite a few tips on just how to react for different things and with some situations I just need to let him go and some situations I just need to say okay well you need to stop you need to calm down it's not normal you know what I mean so yeah I learned a lot from his counselor I think and at what point did things start to get a little better with that support and then how did you come about looking into getting a dog through the defense community dogs program like was that at a tipping point or was that when things started to to calm down and the regular appointments had started to help Damien in that way or how did that come about yeah so his regular appointments were doing pretty well for a while um and then Things with his veteran rehab job were getting to him a lot. So he was struggling quite a bit with that and he was going downhill again. He wasn't coping at work and then he wasn't coping at home. And I think he was talking to a friend on Facebook and his friend had said to him that he just got a dog through DCD and he thinks that it might be able to help Damien. And that was when Damien started to look into the program and to see what it was all about. And then he mentioned it to me that getting a dog might be something that would help in his treatment. And have you even heard about assistance dogs and them helping with people who have PTSD? Not necessarily helping with PTSD. I've heard about them um, with seizures and that sort of thing, but not with PTSD. So it was all very new to me. I hadn't really heard about it. So what was the discussion like um, once Damien had spoken to his friend and, and had sort of thought, oh, that might be something that's suited to me? Yeah, well, he'd obviously mentioned to me that his friend had this dog and he just sort of like, talked to me about what his dog does to help him and that sort of thing. And then he said that he would mind into it to getting himself a dog. And I was all for it straight away. I just thought, well, if it's something that is going to help him, then why not? And so how did you even go about getting in contact? Did you just basically email, call, and then the process got started? How did it work? Nine out of 10 defence spouses wish they found out about Defence Bank sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. 
Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. I think his friend organised to get him an application form. So Damien filled out his application form, which had details like we had to put in photos of our backyard to make sure our backyard was suitable to have a dog. All about, you know, our family and our family temperament and also Damien's temperament and the things that he was struggling with. Pretty much filled out like an application form and that got accepted. And then he had to do like his personal profile. At that point in the program, they used to match the dog with the person before the person went to Bathurst. So they had Max down there who needed someone strong because he was still a very playful puppy when we got him. So he needed someone strong that was going to be able to keep Max in line pretty much. And Damien loves working with dogs. He worked with dogs throughout his career. So he was happy to have a dog like that. And that was how they matched Damien and Max. And then Damien had to send his, like a singlet or something with his scent on it to the jail um, and then they had that in with Max so Max was familiar with his scent before Damien even went there so they got matched before they even met each other if that makes sense. Do you think that you would have found out about the program if Damien's friend hadn't told him about it? No I don't think we would have we might, may have you know a couple of years later but I think the timing of it was just perfect for us I think he needed something right then otherwise things probably would have got a lot worse so yeah I'm very grateful for that and so when Damien was matched with Max what has to happen do you just go pick up the dog like do you have to get training on how to handle them like how does it work so Damien drove because he doesn't like to fly so he drove to Bathurst and he stayed there for about a week I think I got invited as well but we only had my daughter was only about two 18 months or two so and we had Damien's older son with us as well so it was just going to be too hard for me to attend with Damien so he went there on his own down to Bathurst and then he stayed there for about a week in a hotel and then they get introduced to the dog and then the inmate works with Damien and the dog to show Damien how to handle Max how what he's meant to do when he's out in public and all that sort of thing Um, so they spent about a week down there building a bond. Did you have certain expectations of what you thought it would be like having you know Max come home with Damien and the impact of what he might do or did you just sort of set the bar low just in case you know it wasn't all it was being built up to be like what were you what were your expectations going into Damien getting Max? I think I just maybe even set my expectations low just in case it didn't turn out to be all that it was definitely I was really open to having Max and I was just really wanting him to make a difference and make life easier for Damien but yeah so I guess I had hope and I was really hoping it was going to work and I was hoping it was going to be all it was going to be. But just in the back of my mind, I was like, just don't get too excited just yet. You know what I mean? Let's just wait and see how things go when he does come home. Because you mentioned that before you heard about the Defence Community Dogs Program, things had taken another turn with Damien. So if you hadn't heard about the program and didn't end up getting Max, like what would have been the next steps for support for Damien? Do you think you know, it, it had peaked and then he'd got support and then it peaked again. And then you looked into the dogs program, but if yep. that dogs program wasn't there, like what was the thought process with future treatment to help Damien? I wasn't too sure. I was almost at a point where I didn't really know what to do anymore to help him because he was so proactive in his own treatment. So he was seeing all the right people. He was doing all the right things and he still was struggling so much. And he actually, it was probably a good six months after we got Max. But the night that Damien got the phone call to say that he, he was matched with a dog and he was going to Bathurst to meet a dog, he'd, we'd had not a fight, but he was just really struggling. He's like, I just need to go for a drive. So he went for a drive. And then it wasn't until six months after this night 
he came home and told me that he had a dog and blah, blah, blah. He's going to Bathurst. And we were so excited. But it wasn't until about six months later that Damien actually told me that he wasn't planning on coming home that night. And that in his mind he'd planned? To take his life, yeah. And that was with him getting all of the support that he could possibly do and being proactive in, in doing that. But, yeah, so um, when he told me what had happened and how he was feeling that night, it was quite a shock for me because I didn't realise how bad he actually was. I knew that things were bad, but I didn't realise he was at that point himself. And how thankful were you that you had got that call for Max? Um, really, really thankful. <laughs> My life wouldn't be the same if we didn't. Um, if I had known he was that bad, I probably would have pushed to get him in hospital. But I didn't, I didn't think he was quite that bad at that point. So, and I didn't want to feel like, I didn't want him to feel like I was on his back and saying that things are really bad and he couldn't be at home and he had to be in hospital. So I was still trying to tread a little bit lightly. Yeah, so it was a very big shock when he told me how he was feeling at that point. And so what made him come home? It was that he knew that he was getting a dog or that he changed his mind? Like what was it that... I think he just found a bit of hope with the dog and he probably just thought, well, this is one more thing I can try. Um, that might actually work. I think he was just full of hope and um, just hoping Max was going to do what he has done. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And gee, Max must get a lot of cuddles. <laughs> he does, yeah. <laughs> Very split. So what was the day like when your husband picked up Max? Like, and when he, obviously he'd been through the training to have that handover and knew, you know, what he could call on Max to do for him and, and brought him back home to the family home. Like, what was that day like? It almost felt like a new start, like things might be okay. What kind of impact does Max actually have? Like, what are the sorts of things that he does for your husband to help him with his PTSD and help him to cope in everyday life? Yeah, so Max can probably pick up when Damien's starting to feel stressed and agitated before any of us can. So as soon as Max senses that Damien's a bit stressed, he'll just come over and just nudge him for a pat just to take Damien's attention off of whatever is making him feel that way and just pay attention to Max. So he's done that, does that every day. Um, and there's been a, a few times where if Damien doesn't pay attention to Max straight away when Max is nudging him, Max will sort of pour, pour his leg, try and get his attention. And Damien doesn't like having his back to a lot of people. So if he's at an ATM or if he's at a checkout at a shop or something, he tells Max to block and Max will just stand behind Damien. And if Max feels like anyone's coming up behind Damien, he will sort of make a bit of a noise just so Damien's aware that someone is coming up behind him, which is always um, really cool as well. And yeah, just things like waking him up when he's sort of tossing and turning, not having a great dream. Um, Max will come in and give him a nudge and yeah, wake him up for him to give him a pat and that sort of thing. So yeah. When someone is diagnosed with PTSD and, you know, they're seeking the support for that and they're going through the process of coping with that every day, there's also strain that gets put on the family and, you know, there's also then, you know, you were doing your own research about how to cope with that and also talking with his psychologist about how mm -hmm. you can best support him. So obviously, yeah. you know, a lot of emotional energy goes into that and there's a lot of on the family's shoulders as well, not just the person going through the PTSD. Like how did you keep everything together behind the scenes while your husband was getting this treatment and just trusting in those supports? Like, but how did you pull that emotional energy and that strength to keep the family together? I'm pretty lucky that 
when all this started, we were in Adelaide. So my mum lives here and my family. So I think having them close by has been really, really helpful. It's given me someone to talk to that's away from my household that I can just say whatever I need to say. And they know that it's not because I don't like Damien or anything like that, but it's just, I just need to get something off my chest and that's okay, you know? So having those sorts of people around has really helped me a lot. Do you remember having like a moment where you just felt like, wow, that weight has been lifted a little bit because Max is here now? Was it like an immediate impact or did you have like some sort of incident where you thought this would have been totally different if Max wasn't here? Yeah, so when Max first came, it it was really exciting. And the first few times we went out, it was pretty cool. But then after a little while, so... Damien's one of those people that just wants to blend into the background. He doesn't want to stand out. He doesn't want everyone to notice him. So walking around the shopping centre with a dog was quite challenging at first. And I think that was something that I was not expecting and I was not prepared for, was that this dog that was doing such a great job and helping him so much in some aspects was actually, at the start, making it quite stressful for us to go out in public with him because just of all the questions that we get and all the people staring and all the people saying, oh, look, there's a puppy dog and all the children wanting to pat the dog and all that sort of thing. So that was something that I just, I didn't even think of. So Max sort of obviously drew more attention to us than what we were used to. And we all struggled with that um, for a little while at the start, just until we got used to it. So I wasn't prepared for that at all. How did you turn that around? Like how did your husband end up coming to grips with that and, and coping with that? Just getting used to the fact that we have a dog with us in a shopping centre. So people are obviously going to be curious about it. And Damien, once he sort of got used to being confident with Max in the shopping centre and people coming up to him and asking questions. He uses it most of the time now as a learning experience. So he likes to tell people where he got Max and how he got Max and what Max does for him. So that's really cool as well. So he sort of turns it into a, a learning thing and we've just come to terms with the fact that that's our new normal. People are going to look at us and people are going to ask questions about Max and that that's not always a bad thing. Looking back, like, was there a point where you were able to as a family or as a couple do something with Max by your side that you wouldn't have previously been able to do? Yeah so one thing that stands out the most for me one Christmas I think it was a couple of years ago um, Aladdin was coming to Adelaide and in the musical and I love going to musicals and things like that and we hadn't done anything like that together for over five years just because I hadn't even asked him because I thought that he's just not going to go for that he hates being in a room with all those people especially all these people behind him that sort of thing so I just it was just something that we didn't do anymore and we'd had Max for I think about three years at that point and oh that's what you can get me for Christmas you can get me some tickets to Aladdin and he goes okay well I'll get you two tickets um and who do you want who do you want to go with and I said well I would love to go with my husband I said but that may not happen that's okay I said so when it comes closer I said we'll see how you're feeling and if you're good to go we'll go but if not, I'll just take somebody else. So when we chose the tickets, we chose seats that we were right next to the walkway so that we could put Max in a place where he was going to be okay and that there was no, not really many people behind Damien, so that was okay too. So we planned the tickets for Damien coming. Um, and then about two weeks before the show was starting, I said to him, if you want to come, you need to tell me. I said, so I can organise babysitter for the kids. And he goes, yep. He goes, I'm feeling pretty good. I'll come. I said, okay. And then the day that we were meant to go, he was feeling really, really nervous about it. And I just said to him, I said, look, if it's too much pressure. I said, let me know. And I'm sure I can find someone to come with me. I said, it's not too late to tell me you don't want to go. And he goes, no, I'll try. I'll try. So we went and um, David was getting really nervous. He was, his palms were all sweaty, but he, um, we had Max with us. So we went for dinner. Um, that was really nice. And then we walked over to the entertainment center and watched a musical for the first time in five years. And that was Amazing. If we didn't have Max, we wouldn't have 
done that at all. I wouldn't have even asked Damien to do that at all. And Max gets to go to the theatre. <laughs> yeah, he gets to go everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you feel like the third wheel sometimes? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Especially when um, people come up to talk to us as well because they want to know all about Max and then they're like, oh, hi, still alive. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. But um, yeah, no, it's good. Which is, you know, a positive side note that you, yeah. you're pushed into the background because you, yeah, without exactly. Max. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And so do you think that if you had to actively, you know, seek out an assistance dog program and pay for a dog yourself and the training and, you know, all that goes into it, whether you would actually have been able to afford getting Max? Probably not. There is obviously a lot of training and stuff involved. It does cost a lot of money to get dogs trained to that point as well. I mean, I would have have tried everything in my power to make it happen if I thought it was something that could have helped, but it wouldn't have been something that we would be able to just click our fingers and do. Yeah. And obviously it then would have taken a longer time to actually do that as well. And, you know, by that point you didn't know how, you know, how bad your husband's mental health would have been. The fact that he was able to just apply for a dog and go down and all the training and stuff was done and all we had to do was learn how to um, handle max and build a bond and that sort of thing it's just amazing how quick it all happened for us. yeah it happened really quickly yep and what would you say to another spouse or a defense family who are maybe looking into the defense community yeah. dogs program or you know getting a, an assistance dog maybe they've got some hesitations or maybe they don't even know about um, the existence of assistance dogs and programs for veterans or adf members If you're considering it, I would just do it. The people that are involved in the program make it really, really easy and it's a really good transition. Um, I think a lot of partners end up going to Bathurst to pick up the dogs with their partners as well. So they get to learn different things and how to handle the dogs and that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's made such a big difference in my life and I don't know where we'd be without Max. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mel, and talking us through your experience with getting an assistance dog and the impact it's had on your family and obviously the, the difference it's made in your husband's life. Thanks very much for having me. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 